it's time for Cubicle Insanity, and I've got Kim here with me. I'm Tammy. We're back together again to talk a little about that which we love, corporate America. What we talk about applies to most organizations, so just put yourself in our discussion. Our podcast is a discussion about the real insanity from cubicles in the workplaces, from leadership and leaders to experiences with life in the cubicles. Kim? Let's get into our latest cubicle insanity. Let's go. It's been a while since we've been together. It's been a while. And um, I happen to love this particular topic tonight. So it should be fun. Yeah. So we ran across this article about uh, one of my favorite topics, millennials. The millennials. The millennials. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of greatness. <laughs> And then there's a few things where you're like, oh boy. So, so let's see. I think there's generational things here. So I'm a baby boomer. You're Gen X? I think so. Yep. Yep. Gen X. And then we're going to, so we got two people talking about the millennials. And so that's kind of the crux of this, this um, article. So okay, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about them. Let's get into it. So it says, um, kind of starts off with talking about attracting and keeping millennials, how it's a burning issue for leaders. And it says, you know, that today the workforce is 35% comprised of millennials. But by 2020, so basically a year from now, there'll be 46%. So pretty That's significant. That's crazy. Increase. Yeah, yeah, 11% increase in basically a year time. Because this article is yeah. maybe about six months old. So almost almost half of the workforce yeah. is going to be millennials. Yeah. Yeah. So it talks about, you know, how there's some organizations that are rather successful and filled with millennials. And here's what it says, who are on fire for their jobs. Yeah. <laughs> You know, millennials are on fire. Woohoo! Is yet many organizations struggle to attract and retain the top millennial talent. So I think that's true. I think, I, I, but I don't know that. In my opinion, um, I don't think it is a generational or a thing just for millennials. I think yeah, many that, organizations that are struggling to attract and retain top talent, whether it's baby boomers, Gen X's, or millennials. Yeah, okay. I completely agree. Maybe not the baby I, boomers. Um, <laughs> they're wanting us out the pasture. No, I mean, they're still top talent in that herd. We're going to find them. <laughs> um, I just had to Google millennials just as a reminder of the ages or the years uh, yeah. that they were born. So I just Googled that millennials are born 1981 to 1996. So they uh, range in age from 22 to 37. Okay. Just to put this into perspective. So say those years again, 1981 to 96? Yep. Okay. All right. Interesting. 81 to 96. Yep. All so, right. I, um, I don't remember which episode it was, but a while back we had my daughter Cassidy on. And so she falls into this millennial group, which makes me smile when we sometimes talk about millennials. Yeah. So this, um, this article, the author writes, uh, 
They wanted to share their insights about what top performing millennials want and how leaders can ignite the energy of a thousand suns. What does that mean? I was like, oh boy. Oh boy. Okay, here we go. I read is that. that um, I was, was like, going to say, is that a millennial thing that they know more that that, and I don't know what that is. Well, so that's that's the thing with this this article. I will say up front is, I think you know some of the points that we'll cover is some of the same things I thought about or um, saw as I came out of university and into the workforce. So I'm not okay. sure. This is really generational, but, uh, you know, uh, I should say specifically for millennials. But anyway, so this author writes an open letter to management. Um, and here's what she says. You hired us thinking this one might be different. This one might be in it for the long haul. And six months in, giving us everything, we suddenly drop a bomb. We're quitting. So. Yikes. It goes on to talk about, yeah, and, and I think we've all kind of seen that, but again, I've seen that from other generations. Uh, it says, you know, that there are stereotypes. So let's talk about the millennial stereotypes. They never settle down, drowning in debt. My favorite, refuse to put away their phones and, <laughs> right. and addicted to lattes. Oh gosh, yes, definitely the the Starbucks generation. Yeah, maybe that's what we should start calling the Starbucks generation, not the millennials. The Starbucks generation. I mean, honestly, when you go into a Starbucks, um, there is a lot of what I would consider millennials sitting around with their laptops and and whatever in a Starbucks. Yeah, and you know what I learned today is a uh, is a new word called nomadic workers oh i have versus a remote worker yeah so yeah maybe they're uh -huh. nomadic workers and not millennials yeah that you know what that is probably a good way to describe them too and they're probably the only generation that thinks well i'm sure there's you know the uh follow the 80-20 rule. They're the only generation that thinks that way, that they realize that they can go to a Starbucks and get free Wi-Fi or they can go, you know, to this place or that place and, mm -hmm. and get free Wi-Fi. So why can't they work there? Like yeah. you and I wouldn't think that. Right. But we also think about the security of our computers yeah. <laughs> and being hacked. And um, what's yeah. funny though is, you know, a few episodes ago, we had Diane Betty on. And um, Diane has always been one that's been you know, these people need to be in the office. I don't understand why people aren't in the office. I'm in the office. You know, it was all about the office. Well, Diane has um, changed her mind. And change for what's good for others is good for me. And so she started working more and more um, nomadically, we'll say. Uh, I'll say from home. But... Um, she's really come to enjoy and appreciates that this generation, the millennials, as we're talking about, has kind of broken down the barriers for people to have greater flexibility in the workplace. Yeah. That, you know what? 
I think you and I have been through that where like people didn't work remotely. Like you, that wasn't an option. And then slowly there was maybe a little bit of this happening. Like, oh, well I can, you know, I've got Wi-Fi at my house. I can uh, have my computer there. And while I wait for the cable guy to come between eight and noon or whatever, I can, you know, I'm air quoting, you know, work from home. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was just those sort of exceptions where these millennials, I mean, is this just part of who they are because of, you know, they've always had their phones, you know, and been able to get, you know, online and do things all the time. Is it part of who they are or is it part of um, also hearing their parents or adults in their life talk about maybe wanting flexibility? I, my opinion is I think that it's what they've grown up with. Because they're so used point, to it. Yeah, they've had, you know, let's just use the phone. Like they've always had like a Wi-Fi connected phone, and have been able to move from room to room in their own house, or go over to their friend's house and still get whatever they need. So it's just it's like in their inner DNA of of how they think and work. Whereas like somebody like myself starting out in the workforce. There was no such thing as Wi-Fi. <laughs> there was, yeah. you know, paper and pencil on your desk. And then we got like <laughs> mainframe, mainframe computers, you know, big old behemoth things on your desk. And then, you know, I mean, over the course of time, yeah, we have Wi-Fi everywhere and laptops and we can move about wherever. So I, I think it's just in their DNA. So, yeah. Anyway, a little off topic here. But, okay, so they talk about, you know, the, the stereotypes, never settled down, uh, drowning in debt, refuse to put away their phones, addicted to lattes. The article says that the bosses aren't wrong about these perceptions. But it says, you still need us. And yeah. the reason why they're saying, hey, just kind of deal with it, is they're the ones that have mastered social media who have the energy of a thousand suns and will knock back $5 macchiatos until a job is done perfectly. So yeah. I guess social media is, uh, in, in collectively, the millennials have the energy of a thousand suns. I, uh, you know, when, when it talks about this stereotype about the phones, at first, I have to admit, I was one sitting in a meeting going, put down your phone, put down your phone in my head. You know, I'm just like, why aren't you people engaged? And sometimes I will say, I think people aren't engaged and they're texting whoever or not, you know, in it present in the meeting. But then also I think that there's others who are engaged in using their phone to look up different things to contribute to the conversation. And I'm okay with yeah. that. Yes, exactly. Um, a little side story, but related. And it could be, um, so my son, who, what is it, Generation Z that comes after the millennials? Mm-hmm. Um, he would be a Generation Z. And I remember even at a young age, maybe he was like in, you know, third or fourth grade, going in for parent-teacher conferences. And the teacher was like, yeah, you know what? He talks a lot. And I'm like, yeah, for sure he does. Um, but you need to, you know, 
tell him not to. I can do it, you know, till I'm blue in the face, but I'm the mom at home. Like you need to do it in the moment. And she said, well, you know what, Tammy, I have a hard time with that because he's actually um, on topic. He's, you know, he's adding his thoughts or he's contributing to the topic I am presenting to the class. So it's not like he's having side conversations with friends, but he's on topic. And that of course made me laugh because I'm like, well, that's really funny, but he's engaging with you on the, on the topic you're speaking of. And he's in the third or fourth grade. Um, and he wants to talk about social studies or whatever it is you're talking about, which isn't bad. So to your point, um, it is a little bit of, you know, like, I think we were raised a little bit more of the, you know, like, don't talk until you're talk, spoken to, don't, don't speak until you're spoken to or something like right. that, whatever that cliche right. is. Yep. Um, I, th- I feel like I prove on every episode that I know a lot of cliches, but I can't actually quote them. <laughs> um, where like, he's a generation Z and there he was even at that young age contributing to the conversation. But this teacher who probably was a baby boomer was like, not necessarily digging it. So um, to your point about the DNA, I think it is in their DNA. And if they can contribute to the conversation by using the technology they have at their fingertips, they, they know they can do it. Yeah. Yep. And I'm okay with that. It's when they're not engaged and they're texting friends about uh, the latest, I don't know, Miley Cyrus, somebody, something did something, whatever over the weekend. That's what I've got. You're married. Yes. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So getting back to the uh, article. So this article really is about a resignation letter from a millennial. And it says, well, here's what's really behind the resignation letter to the manager is, one, you tolerate low performance. Let me read you what it says because I think you're going to crack up. It's downright debilitating to a high achiever. Okay, we can debate that whether all, everyone is, that's in the millennial generation is a high achiever or not. Uh, I'm working my heart out, and every time I look up, Donna, do nothing. <laughs> it's contemplating how long it is to, uh, to take lunch. Donna, do nothing. I think we have a new favorite employee. Oh my gosh, we do. Susie Q and Donna, do nothing. Q, though. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is a millennial saying this on the behalf of other millennials. Yeah, yep. I, it completely applies, I think, to me and my generation, and probably you and yours, right? Yep. Donna, do nothing. They are debilitating. Like, it's so frustrating to be working your heart out when you've got that person who is busy taking care of personal business on the phone or... Uh, you know, on Facebook, you know, during the day right. and whatever. It yeah. is. It's so frustrating. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it's, um, you know, I think we've talked about it in the past in other episodes about how costly it is to companies to have low performers and what it takes away from a team when, um, a, you know, someone in a leadership role tolerates the Donna do-nothings. Yes. So the key to this point that, you know, you tolerate low performance is that poor performers have a chilling effect on everyone. I completely agree. I think, I don't think that that is a millennial generational thing. 
And dare I say, there's Donna do-nothings in every generation. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. The second reason is ROI is not enough for me. That's the second reason. So okay. says, uh, I've spent, you know, here's what it says. I've spent Sunday thinking about how I can make a difference to our customers. And that, that's kind of the key point is they think about how can they help and what can they do to make a difference versus the return on investment. ROI stands for return on investment. Um, and so money. Yes. Yep. Stock price, billing, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, it's just, you might as well kind of like poke their eyeballs out when they're just talking about, we're not making enough money. Um, they want to know, they want to talk about how to make a difference, not the ROI report. The point of this is, and it says, you know, they call it that organizations with a purpose bigger than money have a growth rate triple that of their competitors which makes sense because if everybody is if they know what the purpose of the organization is and everybody feels part of that purpose they're going to give it their all yeah again i don't well, know if that's a millennial generational thing i think that's true for the majority, the 80-20, right? There's some people that could care less yeah. with the company. You know, they're just there to either do the job or uh, who knows what else. But, um, you know, they don't really care what the mission is. They're like, okay, it's a job. We'll make money. We'll flip this company. We'll move on. You know? Right. But, but I right. think the majority yeah. of the workers that, again, an 80-20 rule is they want to know what, what is the purpose? What's the mission? Yeah, and they want to feel like they're contributing to it. Where yeah. if all you're doing is looking at stock price or the bottom line, each individual contributor doesn't necessarily see or feel how they're making an impact to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down with that too. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. All right, third point, culture. Culture is more than free Panera. Well, who doesn't love a good free Panera? <laughs> But here, here's here's the key point. It says don't confuse cultural culture with collateral. Oh, interesting point, huh? Yeah. So it talks about you know uh, they don't wake up six a.m. every day to th you know go play foosball in a break room. They don't wake up at six a.m. to think about the you know free turkey sandwich that's going to be there. Um, they want to be surrounded by people that are motivated and push boundaries and think differently. They want to, a purposeful culture is the most important is the, is the kind of the point here. A culture drive, a culture of purpose drives exponential sales growth is, is the fact that they give. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. You, th you know, I think about, you know, uh, my nephew and we've talked about him and he's he's thinking about changing careers and for him to change careers the, I said well what is it you're looking to do or thinking about doing and he goes well I don't really know 
but the culture where I'm at isn't really what I want to stay with for the rest of my career. He said, I'm looking for a different culture. And he leads with culture. It yeah. Kind of, it was interesting. I, um, what, what's interesting about that is, you know, where, where I work, culture is very important. And there's, uh, there's a department, there's people who are dedicated to how do we keep our culture? What, you know, what do we need to do? Uh, not as far as like what, 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 you know, snack programs or this program, that program do we need, do our employees need, but rather how do we train our managers or how do we train our leaders to carry that culture forward? And so I, I work with, uh, you know, some millennials and things. And what's interesting is when, you know, um, you know, if someone is talking about, you know, one of these uh, sort of like training programs or enablement programs uh, that's been going on to, you know, really focus on our culture, the first people to perk up in, in, in that conversation are the millennials. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, great and I'm, I'm a full supporter of it, but like they really perk up and they like have to verbalize like, isn't that great that they care about the culture? Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny that this is one of the points being made here because I have noticed that. Yeah. I, I think about like when <clears throat> I think now more about culture for an organization, if I were to make a change. Um, whereas when I first started my career, it was more of you'd hear things about a company like, oh, that's really a good company. Now you hear things like, oh, that's a great company. They've got a great culture. What, okay, so what do you think, when you think back to, like, you know, your first couple of jobs and things when you're looking, um, what, when people said, oh, that's a good company, what do you think they meant? I think it was, it, well, I, I, I have thought about this uh, in thinking about this, or, this uh, article, is it's uh, uh, brand recognition, it's a company with integrity that uh, maintains employment in that they're a financially sound company. Ah, uh, okay. That's what it meant when I first come out of university, because you'd hear, oh, you know, hey, I'm applying for this, that, or the other at such and such company. Oh, that's a great company. Oh, that's a good company. And it was always about, you know, brand name, you know, uh, the financials, the integrity of the company are they a large employer they must be doing something right uh, so i've actually worked at a couple two two places i worked at two companies where there was a bit of a a, a joke a, a little internal i think it was probably external as well but a little internal joke that people would say oh yeah uh we put the cult in culture yeah so it wasn't really about like, oh, what a great culture. <laughs> yeah. It was sort of about how, you know, we were uh, like the Stepford wives in a way. Was it more of the cult? Was it more of everybody has one way of thinking and there's no diversification of thinking? Um, okay, I haven't thought of it that way. Um. Both of these companies used the phrase something like uh, 
like I'm going to get it wrong. It's been a few years, um, but like basically like, oh, they're, you know, they're like interviewing people or when you would meet people like, oh yeah, they're a, they're a, a good fit for the company or whatever. Like, like there was sort of a mold. So oh. to some degree, I guess there was, maybe there was not a great diversity of thought because there was a, like, there was sort of the expected way of doing things and, it was done in such a manner. But at the same time, I do remember having like lots of discussions about how do we, you know, if we have this project we're doing, like how do we tackle the project? Now, how we actually did the project or who was involved, like followed a very standard way of things. But I do think we were allowed to uh, express, you know, different thoughts and ideas yeah. and things, but yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, really interesting. All right. The fourth point to this resignation letter, uh, if you will, <clears throat> is it's okay to get personal. And uh, here's what's interesting. It says, treat me like a number. I'll return the favor. <laughs> okay. And, you know, it says the job will quickly become nothing more than a way to pay, you know, rent, pay for those lattes, whatever it might be. And, um, you know, it says that, I'll, uh, you know, treat me like that and I'll prove, you know, I'll prove your assumptions right in eight months. I'll quit or leave or worse. I'll quit and stay and just be like Donna do nothing. Oh, Yeah. So I think we've if you can that. stay and get your, you know, uh, 2-3% increase every year and be a Donna do-nothing. Yeah. Some people would be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what they really want you to know, kind of bottom line, is the millennial generation, because we're written for the millennials, is uh, they were raised to believe they could change the world. They're desperate for leaders to show them the work that they do matters. And the work that they do, whatever it may be, is for the good of the company and not to help you get your two Mercedes. <laughs> Amen. So I think we've all worked for leaders where it's like, well, you know, my bonus this year, I'm going to, you know, do, I'm going to get my new ski boat or whatever. And you're sitting there as an employee without a bonus or part of a bonus program going, gee, it must be nice. Right. Yeah. With my bonus and take my family to Chili's. <laughs> you know, I'm working hard. So you get like a new Mercedes is this article and I'm not part of a bonus program or, hmm, you know, so that was kind of an interesting article. They, they kind of give a summary. Let me read the summary real quick. Uh, the millennials are telling us what we already know in our hearts to be true. People want to make money. They also want to make a difference. Successful leaders put purpose before profit, profit, and they wind up with teams who drive revenue through the roof. So I think, again, in my opinion, I think some of the key points in this aren't just millennial specific. What are your thoughts? Um, I completely agree. I think it took maybe a millennial to be bold enough to put that all in print. Yes. Fair. Fair. Like, 
uh, you and I have had these same thoughts. We've had the same discussion, yeah. uh, maybe not in, in such succinct four points, but we've had the same discussion. Um, we weren't just clever to come up with John and do nothing. So kudos yeah. to the author here. Um, but the bra- I'm going to call it bravery. Is that the right word? The bravery to actually acknowledge and point out each of these things and sort of call out leaders, call out managers um, on these four areas. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the article. Um, Tammy, you think we should say the obvious? Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. Let's do it. Um, so Kim, this was a great article. Um, we, we kind of started with a little bit of a, uh, the, uh, stereotypes, which are not always so positive about millennials. Um, but I think we kind of turned it around here in the end. Uh, millennials are seen as maybe staying very short term, um, in different positions. And to recap, here's what's behind all those resignation letters. Um, managers, leaders do not tolerate Donna do nothing for one more day. Yeah. <laughs> Put a stop. Put a stop to every Donna do nothing. Um, it's not about money, either for the company or necessarily even personal. It's about making a difference. It's about making an impact. It's about having that purpose that is bigger than uh, the bottom line or you know specific individuals. Uh, culture. Uh, it's not about the free stuff. Uh, it's about motivated coworkers and having that energy in the environment. Uh, I think you called it a culture of purpose, which is uh, bigger than what you were describing as what a good company is um, from prior days, brand recognition um, or being financially stable, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. having this culture of a purpose that we are all moving in the same direction Um, and make it personal. Um, Don't treat everybody the same. Don't, don't treat me like a number. Get to know me. What are my strengths? Uh, what are my skills? How do we play those off of each other's on the team? Make it personal. Um, with their, I'm going to change the world type of attitude, it is not so different in these four points, this outcome of our, all of the generations. So um, I think the call to action for everybody here, so leaders, managers, but I think even individual contributors, I think the call to action is, Uh, You said it in the summary there, put purpose before profit. So successful leaders will do that. But I think everybody can put purpose before profit and bring those conversations um, into the the workplace. Bring it to your team. How do you talk about what is our overall purpose and how do we um, define ourselves bigger than tasks or the bottom line? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Did I get it? Where's our mission? How do we accomplish our mission? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a wrap on the millennials. So thanks to all of our listeners. Well, Thank you. it's not a wrap on the millennials. No, but, it's I mean, not. Let's there'll keep be them more coming. <laughs> yes, there'll be more discussion, more poking fun at them, and more advocating for them. Oh, okay. Okay. Depending yeah. on. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks to all of our listeners. 
And thank you to our active military and our veterans. And since it's been recorded before the new year, we can thank them especially for giving us our ability to go into 2019 in a better place. Please stay tuned for our next episode of Cubicle Insanity. <laughs>